Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. Here at the Bedpost Podcast, what I like to do is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have an in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality with me. But first, uh, if you've listened to any of the recent podcast episodes, you will know that I'm going to talk about my Patreon for a sec first. I'm really fucking excited about it, is why I keep talking about it. Um, I'm doing little solo mini episodes for everyone, um, and they go from, like, you know, sexy, juicy details of my professional doming life to, um, like, issues I'm having with it as well. Like, the one I just aired was about somebody who is like constantly pushing my boundaries and how I've learned from that and how I dealt with that. So we talk about some serious shit too. Um, Also just like my personal life as a polyamorous person, I kind of pause it and talk about my experiences with that as well. So it's cool stuff, right? Also I do, um, I write and read erotica. So I'm giving you some audio erotica. Uh, For the highest tier, there are also sexy pics and videos of um, the uh, DS content style. So uh, you can head on down to patreon.com slash the bed post show if any of that interests you or you've just been a listener of the podcast for the past three and a half years and want to throw me a couple dollars. Uh, I would appreciate uh, if you would do that uh, very much so. Uh, That said, (laughs) I have a fantastic guest uh, here today. Uh, Let's just introduce him right away and then we'll get into kind of talking about how we met and how I came across this fabulous person. But first, please welcome to the mic, uh, kink and sexuality educator, Darren Infinity. Hi, great to be here today. So excited to have you. Super exciting. I'm, I I love the show and uh, oh. love the work you're doing to bring perversion and education to the masses. <laughs> that is what I try to do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm also a huge fan of your work. I attended on the, on the weekend um, a lovely workshop of yours. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a, just like a little bit about that workshop? Because I would like to pick your brain and kind of mm-hmm. talk about that. I don't think we've really talked about it on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So what was your workshop about? So the, the workshop we did on the weekend over the Ritual Chamber, who I'm sure everybody's familiar with, mm-hmm. a wonderful community resource and a source of not only of great pro-doms, but also of education. We did a class called Introduction to Protocol. Uh, protocol is kind of a subset of dominance and submission play. And what we're doing in protocol is we're creating rules and rituals that help us create ways to engage and connect with our partners. And it's uh, permission to transition out of the mundane and create these structures and these arrangements so that when I snap my fingers and ask and signal to you that you're to get down on your knees, then you know that getting down on your knees in front of me is meaningful and powerful and is an embracing of that dominance and submission dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, conversely, if we have a protocol and we're out in the world and we just want to like a titillating little reminder of who we are to each other, then maybe you have me always open doors for you because I'm your good submissive boy. 
you know, things like that. So, so we talked about that and how to, to uh, build them, uh, those protocols so they're personal and unique to the dynamic and the energy we're trying to exchange with another person. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. There are so many great takeaways I had from this workshop. The main one, I think the kind of overarching thematic nugget you're trying to convey was that protocol is is an invitation to pay attention is a it's, promise it's a promise to pay attention. is a promise yeah. to pay attention absolutely oh i i love that that made so much sense to me mm-hmm. and maybe you can explain what that means because a lot of people might be like okay yeah you tell a sub to do the thing and they've really got to pay attention to do it correctly mm-hmm. however conversely there's another side to that that we might not immediately fathom absolutely so so in promising to pay attention you know think of the world we exist in and there's just so many distractions and we're all trying to avoid these distractions and how often are we not connecting with our partners in a meaningful way yeah i was reading this thing that was like millennial generation for example which i'm a little older than but like just on the cusp of i'm one of these exennial folks so i feel this too is just like millennials are having less and less sex than any previous generation so just in general Creating protocols and rituals that say this is like these are the ways in which I want to connect with and the uh, with you and our dynamic and affirm who we are to each other is really really powerful. Yeah. So on the submissive side, it means that I am promising to you know if I have a protocol that says like when we start our BDSM scene together that I'm going to kneel in front of you and I'm going to kneel in a certain way and I'm going to be maybe holding my collar up in my hands you know head bowed down in a very specific way then I'm conveying to you I'm here in this moment it's an exercise in mindfulness right Mm -hmm. and conversely if somebody is dominant over me and they're standing over me and they're paying attention to whether I'm doing that correctly and properly and if I'm not lovingly guiding me you know this isn't an excuse to give somebody a punishment but this is them paying attention to what I'm doing and maybe that's got also a call and response to it right so maybe the response to me holding out my collar is you taking it into your hands in a certain way and saying Thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. And maybe you place it on me afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that can be this really powerful and amazing connection. And it's this promise to pay attention. And it sets our intention throughout the rest of the scene to say, this is the bubble we're creating for ourselves, right? And so we can create these bubbles around a moment in time. We can create it around like an hour-long conversation. We can create it around a weekend at some kinky convention. Mm -hmm. And we can create these bubbles in some way around our everyday lives that says it's like, in addition to all the other things that we're doing, paying attention to each other is one of the most important things that we can do. Yeah. It's funny, actually, I was just reading a thing on, on the way over here. There was um, the, the late poet uh, uh, Mary Oliver re- recently passed away. And there was an article that was talking about some of her poetry. And... Um, uh, and one of the quotes that they were talking about in this today's attention economy is this idea that attention is the beginnings of devotion, mm-hmm. right? And I love that, like as as like a, a gateway into what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. That it's like, how often do we create space to enjoy, celebrate, and just give singular focus to the people that we love in our lives, mm-hmm. right? And that's really powerful and important, I think. Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, kink is often, that's often how I explain uh, what kink means to me, is mm-hmm. that, you know, professionally, like as a pro-dom, I'm holding space for mm-hmm. the person mm-hmm. to um, 
you know, to explore whatever they want to explore. There are lots of reasons to, to enter into a scene, but um, I'm holding space for them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm tuning... We're both, you know, the idea is that we're both tuning out everything that's happening, mm-hmm. and it's just you and me, and we're going to do this thing together. And we both have each other's undivided attention. Absolutely. You know? and, and for people like myself, for, for example, who are really oriented around, like, being obedient and pleasing and things like that, it gives me a paint-by-numbers for, like, how to follow your instructions, the instructions of the dominant I'm interacting with, mm-hmm. so that, you know, I know I'm being pleasing. I can, that self-analyzing critic brain can shut the hell up for a few minutes so I can be in the moment. Yeah. And that's really powerful, too. Yeah, because it's a lot more freeing. Uh, it's interesting how we talk about, like, bondage and whatnot mm-hmm. being freeing, yeah. right? So it's a, sim- it's a similar idea where it's yeah. like, okay, if I give you these three rules, yeah. you know, and you generally in this for this hour that we have together, all you have to think about is doing these three rules. So when mm-hmm. I snap, you do this. When I tell you to do this, you do this in this yeah. way. Just three things. And that is it. Absolutely. You don't have to be wondering, you know, how to respond to me and mm-hmm. like, what's she going to do? Yeah, there's still anticipation and yeah. things like that. Like, when when am I going to say the three things, Absolutely. you know, and whatnot. Um, but generally, you just can relax. Like, mm-hmm. because I am telling you exactly how to respond. And how, where to focus your energy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And another thing I loved... Um, I, I was kind of, because I knew I was going to interview you after, so, and I've got a lot of, you know, kinky listeners, but I also have a lot of people that uh, don't necessarily practice kink mm-hmm. in their lives. So I was thinking of, like, you know, little ways that I could translate what I learned from your protocol class, like, right. over into, you know, vanilla, mm-hmm. regular, uh, quote-unquote, regular yeah. relationships, right? And how I, what I loved about say uh when you were describing like a public being out in the public Mm -hmm. eye right yeah and then doing having a little ritual say like opening doors like you mentioned right um and how that you know is a little reminder of the two of you Mm -hmm. you know whatever intention was behind making that ritual say that um you know you really enjoy pleasing me and serving me Mm -hmm. and I love the enjoyment that you get out of it. Right. You know, so that's at the core of the ritual of opening the door. Right. So doing that in a public space, you know, where we're like at the mall, we're, you know, we got a big list of to-do things today because right. we got to do this thing later, this social engagement, da, 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 da. There's a lot on their minds, a lot going on in the environment. Mm-hmm. And then we come to a door. Right. And, you know, I wait for you to open it for me. Right. And that's such a great moment of focus between the two of us that we're yeah. like, oh yeah, us. Yes. And that's so. And that's so lovely. And ha- how I kind of think of, you know, if you're two people that aren't in so- any sort of DS dynamic, it's mm-hmm. like, if you're at say like a family dinner, I'm sure we've all kind of experienced this. <laughs> family dinners are very layered, interesting yes. experiences. Yes. And you may be sitting, you know, across the table from your partner, and at a moment the partner may look at you and just like wink at you or something, or they may like stick out their tongue and kind of cross Mm -hmm. their eyes, you know, and you have this little moment just between the two of you of being like of connection and being like, Oh yeah. Remember the two of us, like this family dinner thing will be over soon. And like, we can get back to doing our thing. Have you ever had a pro have you ever had a signal with a partner at a party where you're just like, get me the hell out of this conversation? Thank you. That's a protocol. Yes. That's a protocol. That's a like, get me the fuck away from this person protocol, right? Exactly. And, and that's exactly those kinds of things, right? And then on a more intimate level, what if 
we sit down to dinner and both of us recognize that it was like making dinner rather than ordering in every night is a chore that one of us has to to take care of and and in order to take care of us and you know we're a partner loving couple maybe we're monogamous something like that what if just every day we turned around and we we had a protocol that says this is like i'm thankful for you and the meal you just gave me how right? fantastic is that right what, what if we just did something simple like that what if we just ritualize being kind to each other <laughs> that's yes love that love right? that because i think when we we think about talking about protocol and rituals mm-hmm. people are thinking that it's there's some sort of like correction oh, yeah. going on and that it's somehow kind of a severe thing or an intense thing yeah. but it can be a very loving oh, yeah. um protocol yeah. a very loving ritual the best protocols say i love you yeah i really believe that like the best the best the best recognition like the best ways of signaling to somebody else that you care about them. It's about any, it's like any kind of communication, right? In order for me to communicate to you, you have to understand what I'm saying. So if I'm speaking a different language that you don't understand, then we're not going to, we're not going to understand each other, right? So protocol gives us another language to speak in, right? right. And that's all it is. It says like, hey, when I wiggle my nose like this, it means this. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. And it can be the silliest thing in the world or it can be the most powerful thing in the world or it can be both at the same time. Yeah. 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 I love that like, that's that's a great that's a great way to put it. It's like you're creating a little love language. Yeah, you're creating concrete mm-hmm. words for your love language. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely, and the cool thing is because we personalize these things, then we can we can make sure that the protocols and rituals that we create are meaningful to the other person. If the other person is really touch-oriented, for example, what if we make sure that the protocol incorporates a squeeze on the shoulder mm-hmm. or a pat on the head if they're a good boy or a good girl or a good they? Mm-hmm. Our, um, um, you know, thing, things like that. If words of affirmation are really powerful for them, then we can incorporate like maybe some more verbal affirmation of who we are together and why we're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. Yeah, it was so funny. I just watched on, I don't know if you know the show, Please Like Me. I'm not familiar. No. Oh, God. It's it's such a sad fucking show, but it's a comedy. It's just a very layered, lovely, well-written show. And this was a specific thing that you mentioned at the uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. So say, going back again to the family dinner type thing, there was a scene in the show where um, they kind of have this, like, kind of bullying way of joking at the table. Right. And at one point they were all ganging up on, you know, the one the one boyfriend. Yeah. And later on the other boyfriend was like, "No, I needed you like to back me up at here." The, yeah, at that point it was starting to bother me and I needed you to fucking get on my side, not make yeah. more jokes with my parents making fun of me. Right. Like, and you specifically brought that up. I was, mm-hmm. that's so funny. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had a dynamic with one of my partners where I was dominant, uh, and she was submissive to me. And one of the things that I found was really bothering me was that sometimes my family can really pile on in that way. Mm-hmm. And she would sometimes jokingly pile on with them and she thought it was all fun and games. And then I would come away and say, like, Hey, it was fun and games for a while, but then it got too much and I needed you to like help me call a timeout on this, right? And so we created this signal whereby if I squeeze her wrist in a particular way that was meaningful and noticeable to us but not discernible to other folks, then it was a signal that like enough's enough, I need you to help me rein this in. And that was like, at least I, even if I'm going to walk away mad at everybody else, I'm not walking away mad at you that way, right? Like, I feel like at least you're on my side and I'm going to feel a lot better about this interaction, right? We're not going to fix my family in a day, but I need a teammate. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's so funny. Same thing last night. Like, I'm not in a DS dynamic with my husband at all. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, when I came home from uh, doing, from Oasis, uh, doing that workshop, uh, I was on the phone with with a friend who, you know, he was, he was drunk and he was picking my brain about something, but he was just like going on and on and on. I gave my nugget of wisdom and and he kept going on and on, Mm. you know, and, and I got home and I was just standing at the door with still my shoes on and coat on. Right. (laughs) And my husband's just standing there and he's, and he's like, uh, you know, he was like, Oh, Hey Aaron, can I, uh, do some, you know, like he in, he interrupted yeah. to be like, hey, I just need you for a second, and yeah. then I be, and I, then I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I gotta go, gotta hang up, <laughs> right? You know what I mean, like, right? And that's a little, you know, unspoken, right? Kind of protocol, exactly, exactly. But, but the protocol and, and and protocol that we're talking about is uh, like that you spoke about in your workshop is all about. Um, creating, like, written, not necessarily writing it down, but creating protocol. Right. Like, yeah. that is not unsaid. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's a lot of unsaid protocol that we do in all mm-hmm. our little relationships. Absolutely. Right? If I extend my hand to you to shake your hand, and that's the, hey, I don't have a sword in my hand protocol that we've handed down from chivalry. Right. And it's now, like, hey, nice <laughs> to meet you. Let's shake hands. And everybody knows what that, that symbolizes. I'm reaching out to you, I'm connecting with you, I'm welcoming you, all these things, right? That's a simple protocol that everybody's aware of. Yeah, someone reaches out their hand and you reach out yours to shake it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so the cool thing is, it's like in a situation like like you were talking about with with your husband there, it's like we can create a a protocol that says, it's like, hey, when I signal this thing, I need interference. (laughs) Right? And that can be really powerful and amazing. Like when we can be doing that in DS or not, but if it's in a DS relationship, then maybe we can frame it as service. Yeah. Right. Service and and or or uh, or or obedience or being useful or however whatever whatever emotional cookie works for us yes. to make us feel more connected to it. Because not only were we were we doing the thing, but we're also doing the thing with meaning, purpose, and connection and intention of connection. Right. And why not add connection and layers to the things we're already going to do anyway? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and even being more specific about when you would like it done, like mm. like we all want to please our partners. Yeah. You know, people we're in relationships, we want to do good by them, and we yeah. want to do things that they want us to do. Right. So, what a better way to concretely say exactly all the things that you would like, mm-hmm. and the other person, you know, agreeing or or what have you in the creation of these little rituals absolutely so that we're both getting exactly what we want out of it and there's not all these um vague trying to mind read the person Mm -hmm. and whatnot throughout the relationship because you've broken it down into all these little things absolutely yeah absolutely another thing i i really enjoyed um was you spoke about you know you co-create a ritual let's say with Mm -hmm. a partner with a ds partner or or whatnot and um what happens when that the ritual stops kind of um it kind of loses meaning or it kind of you know goes by the wayside you kind of stop doing it or maybe it, it never did what we thought it would there you go yeah. yeah and having to kind of reassess yeah absolutely so 
I think it's important for all relationships to have some kind of like regular state of the union, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah. In addition to, you know, we want to have ongoing relationships where it's like, if I've got something important to say to you, then I can say it hopefully sooner rather than later, not let things fester and everything else. But I think it's also important to build in like reviews, especially when we're doing like PhD level sexuality, like non-monogamy, yes. like DS relationships, especially if it's ongoing and like touches different aspects of our lives and, and so forth. So to have regular check-ins, yeah. I think it's really important. And we need, when we're creating those check-ins, no matter what our type of relationship is, I think it's important to um, create those as safe as as safe as spaces as possible yeah. and and be open to feedback and criticism. Obviously, we want to, like, do that with love and compassion and using, not you know, hopefully, like, nonviolent communication skills and all that great stuff. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to be able to turn around and say, so we created this protocol three weeks ago. How do we feel about it? Mm-hmm. Right? And particularly if you're a dominant person, the tendency can be, to, to say it's like, oh, is this all good? Be a little bit more open-ended in that, right? Say this is like, how do you feel about it? Elicit that feedback. It can be very easy for submissive folks because we really, really want to please the other person, right? Yeah. Like that's a big motivator for so many of us. We want to be obedient. We want to be pleasing. We want to be joyful in our submission. And creating space for the relationship to be a little bit vulnerable mm-hmm. is so, so important right? That the submissive doesn't have to have this wallop of like, everything's fine. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. Right? Like we don't have to do that all yeah. the time. Right? Um, you know, cause the magic happens when we're vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And the magic can happen in that communication too, right? Cause when we build that, then we also encourage other vulnerable communication in our day-to-day lives. Right? Yeah. So I think it's important to do that. And particularly when we're building in rituals and protocols, Right, because these need to be personalized, and they need to achieve the goals that we were hoping to. So we can review these things every once in a while and say, "Hey, we thought that it would do this. Is it doing that? Did it ever do that? Yeah. Is it doing it, or is it doing it now? Has that shifted? Has it changed? And if so, do we still want to attain that feeling? Right. If it's not working, do we want to attain that feeling? And what else could get us to that feeling? Right. A great example I have is, um. I had a submissive serving me for a while who um, had trouble kneeling. Right. And at first she would kneel in front of me every time I entered her apartment and everything else. And um, as, she a part, had, as a part of your protocol. As, part of, as a part of our protocol. Yeah. Right? So I would come into her apartment. She would kneel in front of me to say hello and, and be pet on the head and told she was a good girl and all kinds of all those emotional cookies. Yeah. And they'd be great. And she started having some knee problems. Mm-hmm. And she's really struggled with the idea that it was like, but submissives kneel, right? Like that was tied in. I was like, and so we had to have a conversation that was like, no, submissives are obedient, right? And submissives take care of the property. So we reframed that as she would come to me head bowed and I would place my hand on her neck and acknowledge her as my girl. Mm -hmm. And it had the same meaning, but a different thing. And we had to have that review and like, you know, it would... We're, I'm making it sound a lot more simple. Like, we actually had a lot of emotional attachment to that kneeling. Like, that was really a bit of a struggle. But to recognize that it was more important to set the intention... Than the action. Than the action was really important. And then we learned a whole bonus thing that was like, we could use the the neck-touching thing, like, out in vanilla world, too, mm-hmm. right? She could come up to me in the mall 
if she hadn't seen me yet, we're meeting at the mall because we're going to go to the movies or something, and she can come up to me and I can put my hand on her neck, and it means the same thing out in public, and it's invisible, right? So it's we, almost better than kneeling. It, it, it was exactly better than kneeling, right? <laughs> for, for us, for what we were trying to create and build, it was actually better, right? The communication created new and exciting realms to explore what we wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. And I love um, something else that you just reminded me of was that, um, you know, you can have an an action for mm-hmm. a protocol, you know, you're deciding on an action to do, but um, the meaning behind it, the intention behind it can change. So, for Absolutely. example portion control for for food say say uh one person is cutting up the food and feeding the other person yeah from the outset you are not really able to tell who is the dominant and who is the submissive right because depending on the intention of that piece of protocol Mm -hmm. you know like you can be doing one thing same with you were saying with the opening of the door Mm -hmm. going back to that Um, you know, it could be either the dominant wanting to open the door for the submissive or vice versa. Absolutely. Depending on, you know, what they've chosen out of this action, what it means to them. Absolutely. So one action could mean a variety of things. Absolutely. So say I've got an ongoing DS relationship with somebody and just, you know, take it out of the realm of protocol, just looking at service and submission and things like that. Right. If I've got an ongoing relationship with somebody and, um, one of us falls sick, right? Right. Then so maybe the submissive views taking care of the sick dominant as an act of service and like of being of use and being obedient and taking care of them in exactly the right way to be meaningful and that feels fulfilling to them. Then the next week, because these bugs pass around, the submissive <laughs> six is, is sick, and now it's the dominant taking care of the submissive. And maybe they view it as, it's like, I am taking care of the care and maintenance of my property. Yes. Right? Same action, same couple, different energetic intent. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, I run into all the time in and more like femdom spaces, femdom being um, um, relationships with a, a female dominant and a submissive of any gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and in femdom spaces, you'll sometimes run into this bullshit idea that um, female dominants don't enjoy penetrative sex. Right. And it's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. No sex act is inherently dominant or submissive. Yes, thank no, you. No, thank no, you. no action is inherently dominant or submissive in the same way that no action or sex act is inherently gendered yes. either, right? Men have vulvas. Women have penises. Yeah. Um, non-binary folks have whatever they call their stuff, right? Like yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever aligns with their identity, right? And in the same way, protocol does not have to be prescriptive. It is not brought down from mount on high (laughs) it is it is something we co-create with each other for our mutual joy bliss and connection yeah yeah and what rung so true with me is um i don't know i saw a lot of crossover in your workshop that could be applicable to like poly relationships yeah like in the same way that you're you know non-monogamous relationships in the same way that you are co-creating a custom little mm-hmm. relationship for what works for all the people that are yeah. that are involved. Like in the same way, um, it's just another type of relationship that you're creating. Absolutely, you know? it's 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 that you are co- that it, yeah. you are actually co-creating. Like that, there's no there's no rules mm-hmm. already set in place. Like monogamy, we generally have an idea. This is what's been handed to us yeah. culturally, you yeah. know, so we all have an idea of what that looks like. Yeah. But like DS relationships, other type of kink dynamics, 
you know, anything non-monogamous, it kind of doesn't really have a script. Right. So the two of you or the three of you or the four of you, et cetera, you know, have to really hammer that out and figure out what works for all of you. Yeah. Well, and so, and the other thing I'll add too is it's like the most functional and happiest monogamous relationships I've had to Mm -hmm. do this work too. Great. Right. And they They, should. They do this like, because, because we look at monogamy and say, oh, it's so easy. It's got this script. That script of monogamy is written by a heteronormative patriarchal structure yeah. that oppresses everyone, right? Yeah. Especially, particularly oppresses people assigned female at birth, but is also really damaging to men and creates this really toxic masculinity culture, right? Mm-hmm. So when we examine those things, like even if um, I imagine some imaginary world where I'm straight and I'm involved with a straight woman and we're, we're intent on monogamy we still got to do the work of questioning those structures and figuring out those, like what pieces of those do we want and how do we co-create something that is meaningful and creates whatever structure we want. And maybe we want the white picket fence with the kids and missionary uh, position sex, you know, on Thursdays. Like, but if we opt into that, then, then, great. then, then, we're, then we're still co-creating some, something and we're not regretting what isn't. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're we're creating a really powerful connection with another human being because we're being intentional in our creation of our space and our lives together, mm-hmm. and that applies, I think, across all relationships. Definitely. You know, so often the key is knowing what we want, exploring what we want, and do, and living our lives with intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, we should take a little break, a yeah. wee little break, and then I've got a surprise for you. I need you to do a special little thing for me on the top of the second half. Okay. And then you're her like, eyebrows just wiggled at me. I'm, I'm not. Like, I'm not sure what I'm in for, but sure, let's let's do it. I'm game. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we have we have so much more to talk about. I feel like we could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, perhaps I'll have you back to do a two parter. That would be good. We got so much good stuff here. We'll be back in a few with Darren Infinity. Everybody, bye. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bed Post Podcast. I'm here with my fantastic guest, Darren Infinity. 
Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And as promised, <laughs> I have a little surprise for you, Darren. Oh, joy. Oh, yes, I would love for you to open uh, this little box here from the sissy kit and tell me what's inside. All right. So we got lots of pink wrapping here, a lot of pink. <laughs> so it looks like we've got a little like vacuum sealed thing of panties here. Yeah. It does look super cute. Um, yeah, I would definitely wear those. <laughs> We have some makeup remover wipes. I assume there's probably some makeup in here then. There we is. Have, yeah. Oh, we have a little bejeweled butt plug. Oh, good. We're flared at the base. That's important. <laughs> very important. That's very important. We have an assignment. Mm -hmm. Do we open the assignment or is that a special? That is a special thing for the lovely winner of this prize. Oh, lovely. But you lovely. can imagine, I'm sure, what might be inside there. What do we got? Oh, thank you for shopping with us. That's a little shopping card there. We have a... What is that? Like a six inch, seven inch, six inch? I'd say that's a seven. Yeah. Just eyeballing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll make you feel small if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> that's kind of the idea. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. It's like, it's a practice. What do we got here? We got... You can open it on there. So a little... Yeah, there you oh, go. We got there it. you go. What do we got here? We got a little lippy lip. Oh, yeah, so pretty. It is a pretty. It's kind of like a. That's more of a red, more of like a harlot red kind of thing going on here. <laughs> yeah, she's. You know, she's um, a harlot. She's a harlot, absolutely. <laughs> and then we got some Astro Glide for the, for helping out with that uh, with that plug there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so if you are interested in uh, what Mr. Darren Infinity has just unboxed here on air, uh, we're doing a giveaway. What we want you to do is email me at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com and tell me uh, your, your masturbation mishap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I could write a book. <laughs> choose the best one and you're gonna win this lovely sissy kit uh and then if you're you know listening about the sissy kit and want to purchase one for yourself or you, that special sissy in your life you can do so at the sissykit.com or follow them on social media at the sissy kit are you familiar with um with sissification yes so it's interesting that you bring that up because yes. i think too because we were talking, interestingly enough, about like toxic masculinity yes, before, right? Yes, indeedy. So I think it's interesting that when we talk about like something like playing with gender and things like that, there's two tacks that you can kind of go on with like something like sissy play or... Um, um, and some people are really uncomfortable with that as a term, too. So yes. we want to be cognizant of the fact that was like... For me, like, I've used that term in play. I really enjoy humiliation play and things like that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a way for me to... Um, reclaim or claim, sorry, uh, space to be the kind of man I want to be rather than what society expects me to be, right? When we're playing with gender tropes and things like that, one of the great avenues, there's many different ways to play with gender, but one of the great ways of going about this is to look at what does society expect of me as a man and do I want to adhere to that, right? Like that's the epitome of like what toxic masculinity looks like. None of us measures up. To masculinity yeah, and, and, and the, the, the model of what a masculine guy is supposed to be. None of us measure up. And if you're identified in any way as male, you've probably in the last like 24 hours felt some level of insecurity about that, right? Yeah. And play like this can be really powerful when we're playing with, with 
you know, whether it's like celebrating the, the, the gloriously dressed up sissy who owns it and rocks it and sachets away. Yes. Right. Or, um, you know, or we've got somebody who maybe really wants to pass in some kind of cross-dressing, more traditional, like passable, whatever that means. Yeah. Quote unquote um, passable. Quote yeah. unquote passable. And like really wants to like look as close to being a woman as possible, but mm-hmm. obviously isn't trans identified. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's also, um, you know, you can be playing with just like, it can just be fun to play with gender play, and yeah. pretend maybe that your genitals are something other than what they are or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really, really powerful to play yeah. with those things as one of the things of, of, I know for a lot of us, we maybe have had conflict in our lives because we don't align with what that masculine trope says we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, uh, this kind of gender play has been really powerful mm-hmm. for me to assert who I am and that, and to, with a loving partner to celebrate who I am and that the fact that I don't measure up to that thing is a feature, not a flaw. Mm-hmm. And that can be really powerful. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that, um, I've engaged, like I've topped, uh, sissy, mm-hmm. uh, sissification scenes in mm-hmm. my line of work before. Yeah. Uh, humiliation, mm-hmm. uh, is definitely can be yeah. a reason for it. Same thing, uh, being, you know, the idea where they're aware of, you know, this masculine yeah. culture, yeah. um, this script that we've been taught, you know yeah. what I mean? And maybe they've, you know, they've dealt with that in their own way. Maybe yeah. they've been called a sissy early in their mm-hmm. life or you throw like a girl or yeah. whatever it may be. And they're wanting to, um, take control mm-hmm. over, you know, a scenario where earlier in their lives, they were out of control when they're being mm-hmm. bullied or whatnot, let's say, yeah. um, by other peers or their coach or their yeah. dad or, or whomever um, about this idea of masculinity. Yeah. And they're kind of using that, you know, kind of going through a recreation of yeah. like a similar scene like that yeah. where they control the outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also do want to say too, is like if you're exploring this kind of thing, also, just do the work of detoxifying your own masculinity outside of this kind of play. Too, Definitely. Right? We've all got work to do in that regard around um, recognizing um, if we are assigned male at birth and, and cisgender men, mm-hmm. um, we have to recognize the privilege we walk around in the world in. Mm-hmm. And uh, dressing up in something frilly does not undo that privilege if you take it off when you walk out of the room and, and, and then do all the work of trying to conform to society, right? We've got work to do in the bedroom and outside the bedroom and, and one doesn't negate the need for the other. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah. great point. Um, yeah. And another, uh, reason for sissification I've encountered is that the person, uh, just wants to be kind of, they want to feel kind of off put, like they mm-hmm. want to be put in a space where they're kind of, they don't feel as comfortable objectification things yeah. like that yeah 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 Object- objectification can definitely be a part of it but it's not even about putting on you know putting on particular items or looking a certain way but it more evokes a feeling of being like whoa what's going on yeah uh like a kind of an out of control mm-hmm. feeling absolutely yeah and being out of your element and yeah like, out of your very you know, destabilizing yeah yeah like destab. yes thank you you put it into perfect words as i'm sure you would <laughs> Um, so talking about all this toxic masculinity, uh, stuff, you are teaching another workshop yes. coming up, uh, in the next, you know, month or so at the ritual chamber. 
why don't you let us know a little bit about what's that called and when it is and, and what you'll be talking about. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a class called um, called uh, Hacking Cismail Sexuality. So what we're going to talk about there is, um, well, this class really came apart uh, around about 10 years ago when I had uh, a date with a lovely guy and we were going to the local dungeon and we were having a fabulous time and it was this really energetic men's space and um, we're playing together and everything's hot and heavy and he'd been flogging me and it was awesome. It was lovely. It was amazing. It was super hot. And I turn around and, you know, being the lovely bisexual pervert that I am, I all I can think is like, I really want to put this man's dick in my mouth. And so I... <laughs> We go over to the couches and we're going to and we're like making out like bandits and I slide my hand down his pants and he was an older gentleman and he just kind of like his whole face just drops and he's just like I forgot my pills and he, what he meant was like he forgot his Viagra and in my inexperience and being caught in the headlights and was like we killed the vibe mm-hmm. we killed the scene and I thought afterwards and I was like we could have done a million other things. Oh, yeah. Right? But, particularly, like, in the men's community, but also in, like, more heterosexual sex or, like, any gender configuration of partners and everything else, like, if there is a person with a cock in the room, the, the sex can be very cock-centric. Definitely. And what I've been trying to learn over the last few years and, and, again, this is part of undoing toxic masculinity, undoing um, penis-centric sexuality, is, you know, we're going to talk about how to explore both the things that are damaging that we bring into the bedroom as men and partners of men, mm-hmm. and what are the things that we can do to explore and have a more full-body sexual experience, and how do we get to know our own bodies, give ourselves permission, be less goal-oriented with our sexuality. Yes, thank like you. All those, all, those, all those different things, right? Um, when I started giving myself permission to not have an orgasm every single time I sexually interact with somebody... My sex got so much better. Yeah, and I'm sure the the pressure just like yeah. I'm sure you felt a hundred times lighter. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, uh, yeah, how much pressure is that to you know have to have a really hard to have a hard penis or the sex is ruined. Yeah. Right. So we're gonna talk about this like strapping it on as a dude if we really want to do something penetrative oh yeah um, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about this is like how to explore our own bodies how to create space for that how to talk about that in the context of our relationships um you know how to how to break down those things because a lot of um toxic masculinity and toxic male sexuality is also reinforced sometimes by our partners too and right. how to lovingly give feedback around how we're feeling so that we can then create space to explore our own and also have a sexual health, even if we're in a monogamous relationship, our sexual relationship with ourself is then going to flow into our relationship with other people. But we first have to acknowledge that men have a sexual relationship with themselves to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. That all of us have this inherent relationship with ourselves, with our body, with our soul, with our spirit, whatever we want to call that. Mm -hmm. And that exploration of that is a right and a privilege at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right, and, yeah. and so, so we're gonna talk about that fun stuff, right? So that's gonna be on uh, July twentieth at the Ritual Chamber, yeah, uh, RitualChamber.ca for tickets and information. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if if you need sliding scale, they are open to that as well. 
So so please contact them yeah. if you need that as well. Amazing, yeah. And then again, that's for, for cis men and their partners as well. Great. So if you partner with cis men, also please come out. We'd love to have your support and, and sharing space with you in the room. Yeah, and I mean, everyone can use a little, you know, less penis-centric sex. So, Absolutely. Like... <laughs> Absolutely. Like, oh my God. Get out a vibrator. Good Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get out, like, literally anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, um, since you are a, a sexuality and kink educator, what are your favorite topics to teach on? Right. So I love actually doing that cis-male sexuality class. I really enjoy. I really uh, love creating space for, for men and their partners to, to be vulnerable and to share. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten so many great emails after that class about it was like, this is a conversation that was really hard, but was really good to have them, you know, it prompted, I, I came in there skeptical and I came out willing to have this conversation with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also really enjoy, I love, um, I teach a lot on age play and other like kind of taboo role plays mm-hmm. as well. I really enjoy teaching on that. Um, and um, I came into age play about 20 years ago when, um, unfortunately in, in broader kink community, it was still very much synonymous with the idea of it being some kind of pedophilia, which it definitely is not right. Age play is just the, um, role playing as an age other than what you are. Right. Mm -hmm. I could be pretending to be, um, to be nine. I could pretend to be 90, Mm -hmm. right. Or any other age I want, I want to. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's playing with the, the tropes and the, the, the trappings of those ages in order to facilitate fantasy enjoyment. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, attraction to somebody age playing is not attraction to somebody of that actual age and no. and and you know and a lot of it again was like comes back to like relationships with power and relationships with what was the energy and the tone of that time and recapturing that and that can either be like in completely non-sexual to like erotic but not touching the no-no places to <laughs> to to uh to to very dirty raunchy and also, like, even going to realms of, like, consensual non-consent. And all those are okay as long as they're negotiated with the people involved and um, and involve ongoing enthusiastic consent. Mm-hmm. One, um, one great analogy that I, I had a recent guest uh, from the ABDL community mm-hmm. come and talk. One amazing analogy was, you know how you think uh, Playboy bunnies are hot? Right. Like, the girls wearing little ears and, yeah. you know, little white gloves. Yeah. In, in a bathing suit. You know how that is like just hot as hell? Yeah. Does that mean you want to fuck a fucking bunny? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> same same thing with our lovely like puppy play brethren and, and, and sister yes, and like, thank like you. the folks yes. who play with with those kinds of things. It's like they don't want to actually fuck dogs no, or anything else God. like that. Yes. Right? Um, you know, there there will always be monstrous people out there who do step over those lines and but like but that's a very particular pathology that is like very outside the realms of those like where we're we're playing in like in consensual interactions with people that we care about right yeah um you know in this in the same way that rough sex isn't rape yeah right and there's a very clear and distinct line line between between those things yeah you know and 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 you know and that's the reason that was like so many people like when the john gameshi thing happened a few years ago it's like everybody stood up and says like no this is not within a contextual concept do not hide behind the work we do to create loving consensual relationships to justify the monstrosity that you've that you've done here yeah and that's really important yes no kidding Mm -hmm. yeah it's important i think to have like really really you know, positive role models in the kink mm-hmm. community like yourself, oh, um, you. visible, you know, and doing their thing because 
it seems like as far as the public, you know, popular culture knows, like they all they all know about the bad ones. Yep. They know about the bad apples that are ruining all yeah. of this for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. and it's like when do we see positive kink role models in popular culture? Absolutely. Like I don't did you watch Bonding? I did. I did. How did you <laughs> So I felt the need to watch it as an educator. Yes, it was me like, too. It was lo- lo- short enough that like I could stomach it, and I kind of blitzed through it. So if it means that somebody sees themselves and comes into their own sexuality in a new and interesting way, or gets permission that they needed, agreed. Then it then, then it's great. net positive. I don't shame anybody who comes to my class for, via Fifty Shades of Grey. Th- yes. And those like and people of my kink generation will sometimes they'll get all haughty. It's like we read fucking. Like the gore novels and Exit to Eden and all that bullshit, mm-hmm. and it's like you know I don't know how many people of all genders like read like bodice ripper romance novels and things like that. We don't call them monsters. Like we like to pick on the popular and we like to we'd like to pick that stuff apart. That said, it does not uh, bonding does not model a great model of consent in a lot of ways. No. Um, right from episode one, right? <laughs> there's consent violations like right, right in episode one. It's like... And 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 um, you know, spoiler alert! Towards the end, there's like she's doing kind of this like whole like presentation in front of the class, like mm-hmm. and in her full dominatrix rega- regalia, mm-hmm. and. I think that, like, for somebody who was, like, working through a psych class and things like that, it might be more interesting for her to be like, hey, I'm going to dress appropriate for this setting, but I'm going to talk my truth and why it's important to the work that I'm doing here, right? Because mm-hmm. there's definitely, it's like, I, I, I'm completely serious about this. It's like, I've learned so much about kink from, like, the business world. Like, in terms of, like, organizational behavior stuff and power structures and things like that. And I apply that and, and to my kink life. And then, conversely, like, I started presenting to, to perverts, and that's helped me in my business life. Yeah. So, it's like, there's, there's, a lot crossover, of crossover. there's crossover of skills. So, it's like, I absolutely think that a dominatrix would could turn around and be a great psychologist. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely, like, that's that's an asset, you know. But anybody worth their salt would know, like, this is the appropriate way in which to, to pursue this. This is the context in which to do it. And I feel like that would have conveyed it in a far more affirming way, yeah. you know. And I, and also it was like, and also the trope of like a couple of the the clients was like a session does not consist of like punch me in the face and tell me I'm pretty. Like no, that's not on. cool. Like like don't get me wrong. It's like some people play with like that, but there's a lot more negotiation that goes on there, and nobody's just gonna haul off without any kind of like. I know people who teach classes on like how to punch people properly in the face. Mm-hmm. And even that, we talk about the risk profile of it. We get everybody to, to, to create this bubble of consent where we know the risk profile is higher and we then navigate that and negotiate that. And some people turn around, they go to the class and they say, like, nope, risk profile's not within my realm. Fuck that noise. But yay, you came out a winner. You explored a thing, you looked at it, and it's like, nope, not for me, right? Yeah. And that's that was not present. And obviously you can't cover all the things in a, in a streaming TV show and everything else. But I, yeah. I definitely, it was, it was, it was challenging and it's, it's challenging when those are only the representations that we see. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you said, you know, if, if that did inspire you, yeah. inspire you in some way to like pursue your own, you know, kinky life, mm. then all the power to you, just like 50 shades, you know, as, as terrible as the film was like yeah. from, from a consent 
perspective, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, it's a pretty big perspective. Yes. Um, it did, uh, you know, bring kink into the mainstream in some way yeah. in that it inspired people to kind of go on their own kinky journeys, which is fantastic. Right. Absolutely. And I think also if we're going to critique the consent of those kinds of things, then we also need to critique the consent of every other network TV show the, too, yes, right? Yes. Because how many times is like, does the person resist the kiss? And yes. then they go in for it anyway. It was exactly the right thing. And they were meant to be together. But like we pay all these yes. tropes and everything and everything else, right? Like I'm a big fan of like old like 40s and 50s, like old romantic comedies and stuff like that. I just I had a partner over the other the other night, and we were talk we were watching Pillow Talk with Doris Day because she passed away recently. Mm-hmm. And it's like you sit there with like a pound of salt because mm-hmm. you 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 know it's like all the gender roles and all the consent dynamics are just so fucked up here, mm-hmm. and you have to acknowledge that like that's just part of being in a toxic culture, right? Yeah. So I don't want to pick on bonding more than I want to pick on friends. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. There was this, uh, there's this Friends musical going on um, mm-hmm. that happened, and apparently it was, like, so racist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a show starring six white people is racist? I'm shocked. No. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah, and... Um, it's it's funny she hears that like uh, the headmistress of the ritual chamber has said though and I'm very shocked at this that she's getting like a uh, hundred applicants at the ritual chamber weekly. Oh my god! From this bonding show. <sighs> yeah, I'm 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 tomorrow night. This will be like way after this uh, or way before. Four? Yes. Uh, no. After. Anyways, the, the thing I'm going to teach tomorrow night, but real time when you're listening to this, this has happened weeks ago. I'm I'm doing uh, the sex worker meetup at mm-hmm. Oasis Aqua Lounge. So right. I'm speaking about pro-doming. Okay. So essentially, the main thing that I'm going to speak about, there are a lot of uh, service providers who, you know, would like to, who are full service sex workers, you know, would like to cross over right. into, you know, pro-dom work or pro-sub work. Right. Or, you know, have specialties in kink mm-hmm. i'm wondering if you have any advice for folks who you know how they can do that successfully and what are some of the like building blocks they might need to help them do that absolutely absolutely so so i am not a sex worker myself yep. i have had the joy in my life of both being in relationships with some sex workers and then also like i started out my kink journey actually visiting sex workers so I, I owe them a great debt which i cannot repay um <laughs> But I will attempt to. Yes. In, in the experiences that I've seen, the best people in terms of like either adding kink to their repertoire or having that as their primary focus, seek to understand other people and do that work of understanding other people. Like you can build out skills and you can build out abilities, right? Like you can yeah, learn like how to... Like fine skills. You yeah. can like figure out, figure out the skills. It's like, but that's kind of like a combination of rote and then like depending on how precise the activity is, right? Like you have to have a certain inherent talent to some degree to like be able to really be precise with a single tail or things like that but a spanking was like if you if you, if you if you want to be able to spank somebody it's like you can develop that with time and practice and like an awareness of like some basic anatomy stuff yeah. what's harder 
is to be able to leave people better than you found them. Thank you. And to figure out and to and and to figure out it was like what is that in you can find out that inherent truth within them that they're trying to explore and they're trying to 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 get in touch within the, within themselves, right? Yeah, like um, like you were saying at the beginning with yeah. protocol, what is their intention behind right. the scene? Right. Yeah. Right. What is a truly uh, equitable exchange? for them in terms of energy and time and output, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to you and says, it's like, I want to play with sissy play. Yeah. What does that person mean by that? What does that mean to them? What stuff are they walking into the room with around that, right? Yeah. And taking the time to explore that and, and, and accept that rather than just stumbling our way into that, right? So if they're willing to um, do the pre-work of getting to know those folks and also understanding the right questions to ask folks to yeah. to build rapport with them, to build that trust and also being willing to, I think, sometimes say no to. Yes, to say definitely. This, to say this like, that is too much for us to do in this moment. You're trying to cram too many things into this hour. Oh, yeah. You're trying to cram too many things. Like, let's deeply go here and get a baseline of energy. Like, you want to feel owned for this next two hours or what have you right and yes i could you know i could wrap you all in bondage and i could deny them blah blah blah, blah. but that's a lot considering you've never been in bondage before mm-hmm. so why don't we do a simple scene mm-hmm. where i've got you bound a little bit and we're going to do a lot of verbal play around ownership around possession and it's like and i'm going to interrogate some extra details out of you because i'm going to use those against you next time right and it's like and then that way you're not only less like building rapport you're building repeat customers because you're building those like a storyline a storyline and anticipation <laughs> this is the journey that we have of submission right because sex work relationships are relationships right? definitely and i think that the best dominance full service or or not recognize that building of that rapport and and everything else Mm -hmm. and and certainly it was like you know in whether you're in in the kink community too right pick up one-off scenes can be really hot and amazing but they can only be so much yes agreed if uh, rather than like building up rapport yeah right so you know and it's no different with sex with with sex work you know just part of the exchange is 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 money it's still a relationship it's still connected it's still a connection and it's mm-hmm. still going to be you know it's it's still going to be uh important to 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 build up a mutual shared experience yeah that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'll use it all and, and credit you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but it's so true. Like, like, yeah, hookups can be great. Like, yeah. it, you know, any any old hookup can yeah. can be good, but most of them are probably not the best. No. 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 Yeah. But the, but your, even your hookups are going to be better if you take a few minutes to talk about more things. Definitely. And then also, like, the best hookups don't try and incorporate too many things all at once, right? Yeah, you don't have to do everything. Right. You don't, and that's even something I'm learning as like a pro dom yeah. when they present me with you know a bunch a list yeah. essentially like yeah. that I'm like okay but we only have an hour so how about yes. you choose three your top three if they are coming <laughs> if they are coming to you and saying it's like and you are the first permission they've ever had to express their true authentic sexual selves oh boy then it's like they're backing up the dump truck and it's <laughs> it's up to you to say it's like no just bring a couple boxes off the truck <laughs> right yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> Right? Oh God! Yes! Oh right? yes! 
right? <laughs> but the cool thing is, it's like we can also be excited with those people at the same time because it's like you get to explore. Isn't this cool and exciting? It's like you know, like you've spent all your life fantasizing about being a wiggly worm, and now you're going to be a wiggly worm for me. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, I love like that anticipatory energy of yeah. a new person yeah. coming to coming to explore for the first time. Absolutely, that is such a fun energy to play with. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of first timers. Uh, are are kind of worried that they'll be nervous, and we're mm-hmm. like, we like nervous as long as you're not feeling nervous, unsafe, right? In some way, like, but we love that excited nervous mm-hmm. energy. Like, anytime yeah. I get a new person, I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Let's do this, right? Yeah, I'm excited and, for you. Exactly. And yeah. as, and as somebody coming in to have that session, it's like, just make sure that your nervousness does not blunt your ability to have honest and open communication with the provider, right? Because you they are not mind readers. The best providers can like extrapolate certain things and can can help facilitate that conversation. But you gotta like you gotta, you gotta do your thing. You gotta too. pull your big girl panties on and, like, and let let us and, know what you want. And and, yeah. and 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 talk about what you want and particularly talk about the, the emotionality of those like of what you want, right? Because we can figure out the activities. Yeah. Right? Again, we want the intention. We want the intention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's amazing. We should be finishing up. I'm okay. so sorry to say, Darren. No oh my worries. goodness. This has been a lovely conversation. Wonderful, uh, absolutely. I'd love to have you back anytime if you're I, into That would it. be great. Are you able to... Uh, do you have any other workshops that you would like to tell uh, so us about the, coming up? So, uh, when's this probably going to air? Uh, uh, like two weeks. Download whatever the term is for podcast. About two weeks. <laughs> okay, so the only other thing I will promote that I've got upcoming right now is um, if folks are listening from either can get to like the Maryland area. There's a great organization I'm doing a teaching for called Dark Odyssey, uh, darkodyssey.com. They are a organization based out of the DC, Maryland area. And they do a camping event called fusion that I'm going to be teaching at. So this is like 1200 perverts wow. taking over a campground, Probably not a best first step into kink, but if you're like in any of the kink or like alt sexuality or poly communities or things like that, and you want to just like be in a really open free space, it's like a week of kinky camping. Wow. Um, uh, you know, you can either stay in cabins or stay in tents. And I'm going to be teaching four classes at this thing. So I'm going to be teaching some classes on DS. I'm going to be teaching some classes on age play. I'm going to be doing my assessment sexuality class. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fabulous. Um, and so, so that's uh, darkodyssey.com. And then again, teaching at the Ritual Chamber July 20th. Um, we're going to do uh, do our, our Hacking Cismail Sexuality class. And then, you know, if people want to uh, look me up, uh, Darren underscore Infinity on Twitter is probably the best way, or same name on FetLife. Mm-hmm. And I always post what's going on on there and what's upcoming. Uh, should uh, hopefully be doing some protocol workshops at the Niagara region in, probably in the fall. So look out for that. We're probably going to have like a protocol dinner around that. Oh, like, that'd be, so that's, what a fun. perfect thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. that is so, brilliant. So, so, so we want to do, we should talk about doing something like that at Ritual Chamber. Oh, have the workshop. Do a workshop and, and then, then do have like a, a protocol serving dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like a tea service or something. Yeah, some yeah. high protocol something after that yeah. as a pairing to the yeah. workshop. Oh, that's yeah. so brilliant. Yeah, I would love some, something like that. So we should we should we should uh, twist your head, Mistress's arm, a little bit there. And we'll start, I don't think it would take much arm twisting. I think she'd no, be she'd be totally into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're yeah, you're very beloved at the ritual chamber. So I, 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 I'm honored to be so. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I'm going to tell you about the all the bedpost stuff that we have going on. Uh, third Friday of every month at 8 p.m. at the Social Capital Theater, we have our lovely fun sex and sexuality uh, variety show. And we've got a really great Pride lineup for June that happens on the 21st. 
If you're um, a fan of the podcast, please rate and review wherever you're listening to it. That always goes a long way to help me in my business bed post. Uh, again, um, you can email me at gmail at, at gmail at just at gmail. You can figure it out uh, at the bedpost sex show at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, I'm bedpost erotica. Instagram, I'm the bedpost show. Patreon, I'm the bedpost show. And YouTube, I'm the bedpost sex show. I know, don't bug me about it. I know they're all different. Also, you're going to be listening to original music here on the podcast. That is by my good friend Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her art, uh, Steph Copeland Music. Dot com. I want to give another... Oh, oh, wait. Since we're talking about pro-dom stuff, I'll drop my pro-dom social uh, info as well. I'm at the Lady Pim one both on Twitter and Instagram, though I am way more active on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so, so check me out there. Another huge thank you to you, Darren. Thank, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. I really appreciate it and the, the work y'all are doing. And... Oh, thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. We will see you next week, everyone. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.